This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. As I was getting ready to come to the studio to film, I got up pretty early and I'm going around the house and I'm getting all the stuff I need before I go out the door and I can't find my keys. And I'm thinking, man, I've got a deadline. I've got to be there. I've got to be there at a certain time. And so I go in the bedroom and I'm trying to be quiet. I'm looking on the nightstand. I look at my dresser. I go in the bathroom, looking all over the, the counters. I can't, I can't find my keys. I go, did I put them in the closet? Maybe I go in the closet. I go out to the family room. I'm looking all around the family room. I look all around the kitchen, the kitchen counters. I cannot find my keys. Probably five or six minutes, I'm, I'm looking for my keys and I can't find them until I finally, I finally found my keys in my pocket. My keys were in my pocket the whole time. And you know, one of the things I'm discovering in life is often when we feel stuck, what we think we need, what we know we need, we actually already have. Nobody loves being stuck. I don't like being stuck in traffic. I don't like being stuck when you have to stop at the red light and it turns green and the person in front of you is doing something super, super important on their cell phone. They've got to be talking to the president or somebody. They would not be holding up traffic if they weren't. Or if you're in the drive through line, maybe to Starbucks, and that line curves around the Starbucks, and you're sitting there waiting, and the person in front of the person that's just ordered is on their phone, and it's just clear space in front of that, and they're holding the whole line up. Nobody likes feeling stuck. I have a unique gift. If I'm at the grocery store or on the days that I want to be grateful for salvation and then I know Jesus and I don't have to go to hell, I go to Walmart to experience hell. On those days, I have a unique gift where I will pick the slowest checkout line. I mean, it's just, it's a gift. I will pick the line behind the coupon lady. I will pick the line behind something that they don't have a price on. And I can't stand it. None of us like being stuck. There are areas where you felt stuck and maybe you feel stuck in your life in this season. Maybe you know people who feel stuck. I think our society in some ways is stuck. We're stuck right now in a whole lot of hatred and a whole lot of division. Nations are stuck as they navigate the world with each other. And I think right now our world is more in need of hope than ever before. So when, when is the last time that you felt hope? When's the last time you, you really felt hopeful? And when you did feel hope, how long did it take to fade? Did you know that you can bring hope into your Christmas? You can bring hope into your life with just one word. You already have what you need. As you're rushing around, maybe in the panic of life, looking for what you think you need to go where you need to be, as you feel stuck, you already have what you need. One simple word can keep you from being stuck or get you out of being stuck. And that word is yes. The word is just yes. When you say, when I say yes to God. Now, yes is powerful because what you say yes to is what you move into. When you say yes to things that are going to create misery in your life, you move into misery. When you say yes to things that are going to create blessing in your life, you move into blessing. And every single time I say yes to what God asked me to do, it moves me into a place where God can bless me and work in my life. And so when I say, hey, God, I'm available, my answer to you is yes, always yes, 
we get unstuck or we keep from getting stuck. The nation of Israel had been stuck. They hadn't heard from God in over 400 years. They were politically stuck under the oppression of the Roman Empire. And Mary, this young lady Mary, is stuck in Nazareth. As the Christmas story unfolds and we see the scene, Mary's in Nazareth, which was a very unimpressive town at this time in history. Scholars tell us between 100 and 300 people lived there. It was Hickville. Nazareth was not the place that anybody wanted to go to. And, and Mary could have been thinking, man, I, I can't wait to get out of this town. Some of you, depending on where you grew up, you, you felt that kind of feeling. She's stuck. She's also stuck in an arranged marriage. Her parents have picked who she's going to marry. Those of you that are teenagers, those of you that are not married, maybe young adults, how would you like it if your parents picked your spouse? Hey, this, this is Joe. He's a carpenter. This is who you're going to marry. And I wonder if Mary's thinking, okay, the plainest name in the world and the most common job. This is the guy that you picked for me. Luke chapter 1, I want you to notice this, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. See, Mary thought that God had forgotten her. Mary could have thought that God had abandoned her. She's stuck in all these different ways. And God sends an angel that's going to change her forever. If you've ever felt stuck, God knows exactly where you are. Even if you're in Hickville, even if you're in a place where you think, man, nobody would ever find me, notice me here, not even God. He knows what you're going through, and He has a plan to get you unstuck in His time. Notice verse 27 of Luke chapter 1. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph three times, three times Dr. Luke, the analytical guy that God used to, to inspire to write the Gospel of Luke, three different times he makes sure that we're aware that Mary's a virgin. Why? Look at this. A virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin, there it is again, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That means even when we feel stuck, even when we feel abandoned, even when we can't figure out how to get out of where we are, that does not mean that God is not aware and that God is not with us. Mary thought she was stuck. But what if, what if being stuck is just God getting ready? What if being stuck is God getting ready to do something in my life? See, it's, it's not what it looks like in the moment. If all you see is what you see, you don't see it all. If all you see is what you see, you don't see it all. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid over and over and over again. In the pages of Scripture, we find these words, do not be afraid, because there's nothing more fearful than being stuck in life and feeling helpless and hopeless when it comes to getting unstuck or figuring out how to get out of it. Maybe you've been there, stuck in a marriage that you have no idea what to do. Stuck in a career path that feels like a dead end and you're miserable in your job. Stuck with your finances and you can't figure out how to, how to dig your way out of this or claw your way out of this. 
But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. So finding favor with God has nothing to do with what my circumstances look like in the moment. Finding favor with God may be something that's about to happen or something God's getting ready to do. But, but often when, when I recognize that I'm finding favor with God, it doesn't look like it in the moment. Because finding favor with God has nothing to do with what my circumstances around me look like. It has everything to do with how God views me and what he's about to do. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And notice verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? A pregnant virgin is not difficult. A pregnant virgin is impossible. Unless... God's involved. So maybe you would say in your life, man, I I passed difficult blocks ago. I passed difficult years ago. I'm in an impossible circumstance. I'm in circumstances that there's no way out. I'm completely stuck. And the idea, the thrill of hope, finding hope, that is so foreign to me, I have no idea. If you're facing an impossible circumstance, what if God is setting you up for a miracle? If God can make a virgin pregnant, if God can bring dead people back to life, then your situation is not impossible if you say yes to whatever God asks you to do. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Not only, Mary, am I doing something special for you. I'm doing something special for Elizabeth because God is in the business of doing something special for people because He loves us. He's saying, Mary, I've got something special just for you. Are you willing to be part of this? And so in this Christmas season, I wonder as we think about the opportunity we have, those of us that are Christ followers, specifically those of you that are part of C3, what are you willing to risk for Jesus to come into someone's world? Was God asking Mary to take a risk? Yes. Her reputation was on the line. I mean, can you imagine a young lady who's not married being pregnant in that culture in that day, the talk of the town? And then if she explains, oh, you don't understand, I'm a virgin, but I'm pregnant because of God. (laughs) Who believes that? And then when Jesus is born, think about it. He's known by the community as a bastard child. It's uncertain to the community as they whisper about Mary and Jesus and what's the deal with Joseph, who, who really is the father? And everybody says, all I know is she was pregnant before she was married. There was significant risk that Mary took. Hey, C3, we want to be people that are willing to take a risk for God. Because Mary took a risk, said yes to what God asked her to do. We celebrate the birth of Christ. And, and Mary got to be a part of something very special that, was, that God was doing. And the only person God would ever use specifically in that way. Because she took a risk. We need to be willing to put our reputation on the line. Step into the community full of people that need Jesus and are looking for hope. And risk our reputation to invite people to get to C3 
on Christmas Sunday, the, the Christmas services this coming Sunday, December 20th. Now, we take risk all the time. I, I meet some people that say, well, I'm just, I'm just not a risk taker. Uh, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Every time you drive a car, you're taking a risk. When you fly, you're taking a risk. When you get on a plane and you fly on a commercial airline, do you know the pilot? Have you seen his credentials? Do you know where he went to school? Do you know how many hours he's been flying? Do you know if he's ever had any incidents? Do you know if he's ever been written up? No, you, you, you don't. But flying is risky. I remember years ago, Angie and I were flying from Houston, Texas to Orlando. And as we were flying, it was a pretty stormy day. And all of a sudden, unexpectedly, there'd been a little bit of turbulence. All of a sudden, the plane drops 5,000 feet. The pilot came on later and told us what it was. I don't remember the technical name because I don't remember anything uh, really about that moment other than in that moment there was not an atheist on the plane. Everybody started praying. Drinks actually hit the ceiling. The flight, att- the flight attendant fell in the aisle. Flight attendants don't fall. Like it dropped 5,000 feet. We bounced about 30 seconds and it did it again. Now, I only know this because the pilot told us. I felt it. I experienced it. I didn't know how far we dropped. And there's some, there's some name for it, but it doesn't really matter what it is. I, I called it the scare the hell out of you moment. I mean, everything changed. But it didn't stop me from flying. I've flown since then. Flying's risky. Falling in love is risky. You, you set yourself up to be hurt. You and I, we understand this, we can't control, nor do we want to control other people. So when you offer your heart to somebody, when you offer your future to somebody, when you offer all of who you are to somebody, you you put your heart in their hands and they have the opportunity to hurt you. It happened to me the first time in first grade. It was the first girl that I ever liked. We were sitting in Miss Fisher's class and this girl was sitting beside me. Her name was Jennifer and it was nap time. We were supposed to put our heads on the desk. And so we did that and she fell asleep and I had this plan to show her and prove to her how incredible my love was for her. So I I went down under the desk and I tied her left shoe to my right shoe in as many knots as I could tie. And I I thought, man, she'll be impressed at how much the effort that I took. And and now our shoes are tied. We're, We're about to spend the day together. And when Jennifer woke up from nap time, she, uh, she was not impressed. <laughs> she was not impressed at all. They had to lift the desk to pull our feet out because they were tied together. The teacher couldn't untie the knot. We had to walk to the principal's office together, walk of shame. And I, I won't bother to tell you what he did or what the consequences were, but um, Jennifer never liked me. She broke my heart. Falling in love is risky. We, we take risks all the time. When we engage our, emotion, our emotions to cheer for a particular team, when we go to a new restaurant, when we make a purchase, we, we take risks all the time. But, but I wonder, how many risks have we taken to benefit someone other than ourselves? How many risks have we taken because somebody else matters a lot? See, I think as followers of Jesus, our goal is not to somehow one day die safely. I, I think we should be the biggest risk takers in the world because our God is able to do the impossible. And it's in the moments of taking risk that often the thrill of hope comes into play. And so in this Christmas season, what are you willing to risk for Jesus to be able to come into someone's world? To walk across the street, to shoot a text message, to make a phone call, to have the conversation at work. Hey, man. Why don't you join us for Christmas services at C3? There are three to choose from. I'd love for you to be my guest. And even in this climate, even in this climate, where some people are staying at home because of health concerns, and if someone says, man, I'd love to, but my wife's mom is living with us right now and she has some health issues, 
That's awesome, dude. I, I get it. I'll be praying for her. Check it out online and let them know about our online experiences. But a lot of people will come. A lot of people will watch online. If you and I are willing to take some risk, more people will engage and connect with church at Christmas and Easter than any other time. And so C3, I, I think it's important that this week, as we wrap up what has been a crazy year, God can use us to bring less crazy and more peace into somebody's life. I think it's important this week that we embrace the truth, that Jesus' last command, His last command to go in the world, go into the world and allow God to change people's lives through us, His last command to reach people, His last command is our first priority. And we have a huge opportunity to invite, invite, invite. In fact, I want to encourage you to make it your goal to at least once every single day this week invite somebody to check out one of the three Christmas services next Sunday at C3. Invite them to come as your guest. Invite them to be a part of it. You can register c3church.cc forward slash gatherings. Be sure to register and be here. Now notice verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. She said, yes. It was her yes. Then the angel left her. Mary simply said yes. Life is complicatedly simple. There are a lot of complicated things happening all the time. But if you just step back from the emotion, the feelings, the concern, the, the pace of trying to figure it all out, if you, just, if you just step back, it becomes very simple. But we recognize that when we say yes to God, it really takes care of everything else. Because when I say yes to God, it allows the Spirit of God in my life to determine my direction, to determine my pace, to determine my future, the future that He's already seen. It helps me live the life God created me to live. It's the only way to live that life. The only way to live your best life, the only way I can live my best life is to say yes to Jesus. And when I say yes to Jesus... He pulls us out of the places where we're stuck and we experience the thrill of hope. So I wonder today, have you ever said yes to Jesus? Maybe today is the day. It's your day for you to commit your life to Christ. You want to experience hope. You're tired of being stuck because what you say yes to is what you move into. So when you say yes to Jesus, you move into the life He created for you. You move into the life where He's forgiven your sin. You move into the place where the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside you. You say yes to the life God created you to live. You say yes to your best life. Your yes determines what you move into. So I want to pray a very simple prayer. And if today you'd like to surrender your life to Christ, in this Christmas season, I can't think of a better time. You'd like to say yes to Jesus and ask Him to forgive your sin and be your Lord. Just pray this prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just say, Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Please forgive my sin. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, I would love to know that. I want to invite you to shoot me a text. Just send me your first name. Send me your first name. You'll see the number on the screen, 407-487-8311. Shoot me that text with just your first name. 
The reason I ask you to do that is I'd love to be able to pray for you today. I'd love to be able to pray for you throughout this week by name in this Christmas season that God will continue to work in your life, continue to bless your life, and continue to draw you closer and closer to Him. And then I want to encourage you, man, next Sunday is our Christmas services. So be sure to register today for one of the three services. Uh, go to c3church.cc forward slash gather. The website's there at the bottom. Be sure to register and invite, invite, invite this week. Hey, I hope you have an amazing week. I'll be praying for you this week. Can't wait to see you next Sunday as we celebrate the birth of Christ together. Have a great week. God bless you. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at giveC3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.